Welcome to episode 42 of the Ask Achieve show where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today we'll be discussing how to put together a 20-minute workout routine, breathing techniques for various exercises, and whether or not high-intensity interval training is all it's cracked up to be. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? It's episode 42. Even as a New York sports fan, there was some exciting Boston sports that happened this past weekend. Yeah. I'm reluctant to say. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're a New York sports fan, but the two of the four main teams, mm-hmm. the two teams you support in Boston the most would be the Bruins and the Celtics, right? Yes. And yep. those are the two teams that were had the big exciting things happen this yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. So it was fun. And luckily, so it was my dad's birthday this weekend, and he came into Boston to hang out with us for the day, and he, my dad is a diehard Boston sports fan. And so he was very, you know, he's very upset that I was marrying a Yankees <laughs> fan. Um, but he loves Jason, so he let it go. But it was uh, it was fun that at least it was the sports that we were watching that you weren't like adamantly against them. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody was, we were all cheering. Yeah. The fact that it. we weren't watching really the Sox or, or the Patriots, the, the, those were, that was a big, uh, that was a big, thing that yeah was good. <laughs> yeah um but yeah it was very exciting so bruins and celtics are both on to round two of the playoffs yeah they're doing well it's great yeah it's a good time to be a boston fan mm-hmm. or a yankees fan who doesn't mind the celtics and the bruins <laughs> <laughs> um saturday we hosted a charity metcon you want to talk about that yeah so one of our achievers um her name is magda she works for an organization called friendship works and it's really cool what their main focus is on is eliminating elder isolation so basically um what happens oh my gosh diesel is whining in the background <laughs> <laughs> we put diesel in our bedroom during the, the podcast just because he's like like jingling his chains around as, as he's walking around. His chains. So. He's not in chains. Chain. What, what, his what collar. Oh, his <laughs> We don't put he's our just, dog in chains. He's just chains. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's in the bedroom whining now. He's like, what's going on out there? It sounds fun. <laughs> anyway, um, this organization is really, really cool. And so they, yeah, their goal is to eliminate elder isolation in Boston um, and what they came to realize was that people like from their 60s and on, oftentimes they don't have a lot of family, a lot of support, and they may end up just living on their own um, and not really having a lot of social interaction. And that really is so important for people of all ages, um, but especially as you get older. And so they put together um, a lot of the fundraising that they do is to um, have volunteers or people go and be like, I forget what she called it, but like, buddies or partners or like friends (laughs) basically um who like go and spend time with people who otherwise wouldn't have um as much social interaction so it was a really really nice cause and something that we felt like fit fit very well within the achieve kind of mission of making sure that everybody feels welcomed and supported and feeling like they always have a community around them so it was really nice to do that charity metcon for them Um, we had a bunch of people come out. I mean, we always have some, so much great support for, um, our charity workouts just from our member base. They all, they always come out and support one another and, uh, kind of show that they, that they care about what each other's doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's kind of, that was our weekend. Yeah. It was a good weekend. 
And we had the first like beautiful couple spring days oh, finally. Oh, that's very true. Yeah, uh, which is so refreshing. It felt awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been a rough season in Boston. <laughs> I have to say, I do. I tend to complain about the winter, but this like. In it's between been, winter extended. and spring has been really I, rough. I hope we have an extended summer. but That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to get into the questions. So this first one comes from M.L. Girovic Strong. Um, and he asked, great podcast, YouTube. I hope you can answer these questions in the next one or in a future episode. Your minimalist workouts, 20-minute uh, average for times when you or clients are extremely busy. Can you give a dumbbell and a kettlebell sample? Um, so basically he's asking, how can you put together a 20 minute workout, um, where you still get as much benefit as possible within that 20 minutes if you're pressed for time? Um, so we can start with, I mean, actually the principles for both kettlebells and dumbbells would stay the same. So what we would try to put together would be a strength circuit first. Um, so we would have, and we would try to hit all the major movement patterns. So we would have some sort of hinging variation. So some form of deadlift. So this might be, if you're using kettlebells, it might be a kettlebell deadlift or a double kettlebell deadlift. If you're using dumbbells, maybe like an RDL, the Romanian deadlift. Excuse me, I think I have hiccups. (laughs) (laughs) A Romanian deadlift. Um, Then we would go into some sort of pressing motion. So with kettlebells, it might be an overhead press. With dumbbells, it could be an overhead press as well, or maybe a, a floor press or a chest press on a bench. Um, then we would go into a squatting pattern. So maybe a goblet squat for either one, dumbbells or kettlebells. Mm -hmm. Then we would do a pulling pattern. So I would say probably, um, a row, like putting your hand on a bench or on a, um, box and rowing the kettlebell or the dumbbell up toward your hip. Then we would do probably a lunging variation or a single leg, some sort of single leg stance. So either a lunge or a single leg deadlift again, with either tool. Um, And then we would go into some sort of core exercise. So this doesn't need to be with an implement, um, but maybe like a plank or a hollow hold or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So squat, hinge, push, pull, core are the the main criteria that we're trying to hit. And uh, dumbbells are awesome in that we can just really break up those movement patterns and just kind of like really target them and emphasize those patterns. Um, Kettlebells are really unique in that we can just really flow and string those movements together into one sort of complex. So we're actually developing strength as well as a conditioning benefit all at once. So we do really like kettlebells for those like time crunched workouts because we, we like to string those uh, moves together. So, yeah. yeah. So with kettlebells, you might go like use double bells and use all the same weight. So you just have two bells of the same size and you might do eight deadlifts and then clean the bells and go right into eight presses. And then right from there without putting the bells down, go into eight squats. Mm -hmm. And then from there you can go into a hinge position and go alternating bent over rows and then finish it off with a set of swings or something like that. So you're really flowing them all together. That also helps to eliminate any breaks and kind of speeds things up a little bit. Yeah. Um, With dumbbells, sometimes there might be a little bit more of a break in between exercises, but when we're thinking about a strength circuit, um, it's okay to have a quick break in between each thing so Mm -hmm. that you kind of make sure that your form is set. Um, and, and still, if you put five exercises together in one circuit and do it three times with a rep range of eight to 10, and you don't use a lot of rest, that should take you about 12 to 15 minutes, I would say. Um, and then what we would usually do in that case is finish it off with some form of, um, conditioning with maybe like five minutes of conditioning. So if you have dumbbells, you maybe you could do like, um, 
squat to overhead press with dumbbells and yep. try to go for high reps and do um, like timed intervals. So you could do 30 seconds of work, 30 seconds of rest for five rounds, mm-hmm. something like that. That would be five minutes. Um, with kettlebells, you could do something like um, every minute on the minute swings. So maybe five minutes of you do 15 swings and set the bell down and rest for the remainder of the minute and do that for five minutes. Um, something that really optimizes your time. You are only you're limited in how much you rest, so that you are kind of keeping that quick pace going. Sweet. Yeah. So pretty pretty simple. Um, we don't think that like even though it's only twenty minutes, we don't think that it should change the overall like dynamic of the workout. We right. still think that it yeah. should be and. I mean, if you have time, definitely would recommend throwing a little warm up in there. Right? <laughs> yeah. So a quick warm up in the beginning, um, maybe some Spider-Man lunges, loosen up your neck with some head nods and turns, do some hip flexor mobilizations, um, maybe some ankle mobilizations just mm-hmm. to get things loosened up and then get right into the workout. But we'd still go warm up, strength training and conditioning as our main thing. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. All right. Moving on. We got question number two. This one is from Alex Harris C. And she said, hey, guys, I don't think you have done this already, but questions about different breathing techniques when lifting. Some people hold their breath for the entire squat. Some exhale as they come out at the SFG kettlebells. uh, SFG, you shout up uh, from the bottom. Can you explain a bit more about reasoning behind all the different ways in various exercises, not just necessarily squats? Thanks. (laughs) Great. Um, Awesome. This is a great question. Um, yeah, there. I mean, there are a few different breathing techniques when going into strength training. Um, one would be just to try to time the breathing mechanics to whatever you're doing in terms of exerting force or not. So let's say you're doing a squat. As you come down, people would like to say breathe in, and as you come out, trying to exhale. Um, same thing goes for let's say a push up. As you're lowering yourself down, breathe in. As you push up, you breathe out. Um, and that's generally what we like to recommend for our sort of beginner to intermediate members that aren't really approaching too heavy of a weight relative to their strength. Um, so if they're doing uh, like push-ups or squats and they're not really approaching their one rep max, that sort of region, um, then we just cue them to do that sort of breathing, right? Just general yeah. breathing pattern. Exhale on the exertion. Um, yeah. And basically that helps to, that exhale kind of helps you when you exhale, your abs tend to engage a little bit more during the exhale. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing too crazy happens there. It's just kind of like helps you normalize your breathing during the exercise because what we don't want, especially early on, is people to just hold their breath. Right. And that is what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. They just get really tense and hold their breath through the whole thing mm-hmm. and they might feel lightheaded afterwards. So just trying to get people to understand that they should be breathing. Mm-hmm. And a natural way to do that is inhale during the lowering down or the kind of like eccentric portion and exhale during the, the exertion portion. Yeah. And it's not super forceful. It's just, just yeah. natural breathing mechanics. Now, from there, once they get a little bit more advanced and they start to um, have a little bit, they need a little bit more tension, then we'll start to incorporate more of uh, what Strong First calls a power breathing technique. So let's say someone is doing a double kettlebell front squat where they just can't be like just loosey-goosey with their breathing mechanics. They, They need a little bit more tension. What we'll do is have them breathe in on the way down and then we'll have them create this sound on the way back up. And that just creates a little bit more intra-abdominal pressure. It also helps to create just a little bit more tension so that that your body is exerting a little bit more effort, right? Yeah. Um, And the specific um, up 
thing that she was saying mm. with the with strong first. So they do teach that at the bottom of the squat to like either grunt or kind of make like a or or some people go up or like just kind of like create this kind of moment of uh, real tension mm-hmm. and then exhale. Um, and the reason that they do that is kind of just to really make sure that at the bottom where your pelvis is kind of the most vulnerable vulnerable, and your spine's the most vulnerable to make sure that you have a maximal amount of tension before standing up out of the hole. Yeah, it's similar to how martial artists will do like some sort of like, huh, like kind of sound before they kick or as they punch. Um, it just creates a lot of tension right before you perform your movement or exert some sort of level of force. But again, that's pretty specialty. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think they teach that to just show you to feel that. Um, Like for most of the weights that you're using through a strong first start, you don't need to do that grunt. You don't Mm -hmm. need that much tension. Um, But they're just teaching you that as a way to say like, hey, when when you are approaching max effort lifts, like this is actually a good strategy for you. Um, But for the most part with even with kettlebell front squats, um, you just that initial breathing that Jason was talking about, that breathing where you're kind of pushing your tongue up to the roof of your mouth and exhaling in a hissing sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does. If you try to do it now, you'll notice that everything kind of tenses up as you're doing that exhale and you can maintain that tension for a little longer. Whereas when you just and breathe out, it's over very quickly. That exhale is over very quickly totally. and it won't last you that entire exertion through the exercise. Yeah. And you'll see, um, fighters, boxers, sprinters who all um, need like quick bouts of tension. They'll just go as they're punching or as they're sprinting, keeping tension while breathing out a little bit of air. So yeah. um, I love watching that in the um, in the combine because they're always the football combine. Oh, yeah. They're always mic'd up. Mm-hmm. You don't usually see like sprinters in the Olympics mic'd up. So you yeah. don't hear them. But if you listen to the the combine for football, they're always the really fast guys are always going yeah. Like the whole time throughout the run, and I always think that's really interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the last breathing style would be um, creating a lot of tension. So this is um, a technique that we'll use as soon as lifters approach, let's say, 85% of their one rep max and above. Um, and this is where they're really, let's say, uh, performing a deadlift or a squat, and they really need to brace their spines, they need to brace their core, and just keep a lot of tension in order to lift that amount of weight. What we'll have them do is have them create a big breath in as much air as they can throughout their entire torso, and then from there, we'll actually have them hold their breath. So let's say in a squat, we'll have them take a deep breath in, hold their breath as they descend down, and actually keep holding at their at the bottom position And then press back up. And at the very top, that's when we'll tell them to exhale, whether through a sharp like that or a sharp whatever breathing pattern that they prefer. Yeah. And this one is definitely um, contraindicated with anyone who has any high blood pressure or Mm. any sort of heart conditions. We want to make sure that you're not holding your breath for a long period of time. If you're pregnant. Yeah. Pregnancy (laughs) is definitely not a good time to do that. Um, So you want to make sure that it's for, it has a specific purpose. It's not what you do all the time. It's Mm -hmm. specifically when you're approaching those max weights. Yeah. And you'll see um, Olympic lifters, power lifters, uh, especially with belts, they'll take a huge breath in and they'll fill their entire chest, torso with air. And they're also breathing out against that belt. And that creates a ton of pressure and a lot of stability throughout their spine for them them to actually lift weights. Now, the reason why we don't go ahead and cue this sort of breathing with our beginners is that using this breathing pattern can really override a lot of your um, stability, basically. 
And what happens is your body starts to recruit more of your prime movers, more of your big muscles. Big muscles are meant to produce a lot of force, whereas your stabilizers are meant to be very quick, um, very receptive, um, and kind of like teach you where you are in space. And so if we had a total beginner doing a bodyweight squat and we had them use that same breathing mechanics, they wouldn't really understand how to stabilize in that sort of environment. And so because of that, what we'll try to do is have them just breathe as naturally as possible and not use any sort of um, artificial techniques to help them stabilize. We want their body to naturally feel where they are in space. Are they at their midfoot? Are they at their forefoot? Are they at their heel? Is their back extended? Are they slightly off balance? Are they shifting to one side? We really want them to understand where they are in space before we start to use this sort of advanced breathing technique. So if you're just starting out, I would highly recommend not to breathe like that, but start to do it once squatting, deadlifting, all that becomes very um, second nature to you. Then this breathing technique can really serve as kind of like a turbo boost. Um, But we wouldn't recommend starting off with that sort of breathing. Yeah. Definitely. And with anything like this, like you were saying, like it's all about what your intention is too. Mm. So sometimes breathing techniques or any technique for that matter is to help you lift more weight. Um, But you have to ask yourself, like it's always a good idea to kind of check yourself and ask yourself, why are you going to use a technique to get stronger? Is it for a sport? Is it for, is is it because you have a meet coming Mm -hmm. up? Is it because you have like a specific goal in mind that you want to lift? Or is it just because somebody else did it and you feel like you're supposed to do it (laughs) so just check yourself and like i mean right now i'm pregnant so i'm like very much just doing normal breathing as much as i can and it's actually i've I've had to like remind myself to breathe normally because i got really in the habit of of not doing that of using those techniques and i kind of realized that i didn't need to be doing that so much yeah um and so it's been a good reminder to be like you know what that that was just habit um but i I actually feel good when I'm just normal breathing and letting my body reflexively um, react to what's going on. So just remember that techniques are for specific goals and for specific things, um, but they don't, you don't have to use them unless you have those specific goals. Yeah, totally. Cool. Cool. All right. So question number three, this is our last one for today. This is from, I am Justin Alphon. And he said, I noticed recently that HIT, which is stands for high intensity interval training, is a huge fitness trend claiming it burns fat quicker. I'm not quite buying into it yet, nor am I completely against it. Maybe you can give me a better insight as to whether it's worth adding that into my weekly routine. Awesome question. Yeah. All right. So high intensity interval training has definitely been around for a long time. It's it kind of ebbs and flows in its popularity. Yeah. Um. And and right now I do think that that's like a big thing in some of the the popular studios that are popping up. Mm-hmm. Um. So basically what it means is working at a very high intensity for a short amount of time and then resting, working at a very high intensity and then resting. And the premise behind it, the reason that people say that it's the best fat burner is because the, the idea is that when you do this type of exercise, you continue, your body continues to burn calories after the workout. It's not like when you do steady state cardio and you're on the bike and you burn a hundred calories during that time. And then that's what you burned. And then your body kind of just settles back into its normal routine with high intensity interval training. The research has kind of showed that you continue to burn. It's called like the afterburn mm-hmm. effect that you continue to burn. And some research now has also said that that's not necessarily the case. So it's yeah. gone back and if forth. Something happens. They're not necessarily sure what exactly happens, but 
it seems to have a better fat burning benefit than just aerobic training. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. Um, but well, so what we would say is that anytime that something claims to be like a better, just superior version of yeah. working out, it's always worth, I like that he kind of said, I'm not buying into it or am I, or against <laughs> it. I'm just kind of feeling it out. Um, it's worth having that sort of moment of being like, all right, why? Like, is this true? What What's really the claim here? So what we think is that high intensity interval training has a place. It has a time and a place, but it's not, I, we don't think that doing it on its own as your main form of, of, of exercise is going to be the most ideal way for you to burn fat. Um, we think that actually, and I know from experience, <laughs> personal <laughs> experience that doing it all the time, because it's what I used to do all the time. Lauren used to be a spin instructor and she would teach, I don't know, two to three classes, um, a day, yeah. uh, for six days a week. And you wouldn't even let up in the classes. You, you would oh, go no. as hard as the students. Yeah. Unlike, um, I think a lot of instructors kind of like, Say like crank it up, and they'll keep it exactly the same or fake turn you just the fake wheel. Turn it, yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you were I was too like, competitive no. with yourself. <laughs> do it. Um, and and it was not the t- like at that time was not when I was my leanest. Um, so no. kind of from from personal experience, it isn't necessarily the best thing to do on its own without any sort of other comprehensive plan behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, strength training, like the kind of the, the stuff that we talk about most of the time in this podcast, where you're Focusing on getting stronger and focusing on building muscle is going to be the number one thing that everyone should do because it's going to set you up for success in terms of being your body's going to be more metabolically expensive, basically. So the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn just on a daily basis. So it doesn't matter what workout you did that day necessarily because your body is just naturally burning more calories because you have put more muscle mass on your body. Right. So strength training is still going to be, in our opinion, and and what most strength coaches that we really respect would say, is going to be your number one way of making sure that you're consistently burning fat and not having to constantly be doing these like really high intensity things. Yeah, and like doing HIIT training constantly, it's it really wears down on your body to constantly yeah. just go at that high of an intensity. Strength training, I mean, we think that probably 80% of your time should be do- devoted to just just general compound movement strength training, yeah. right? Yeah. And and if you, I mean, if you take a look at Lauren and I's training sessions, it's like pretty, it would, I would almost say low intensity, like high yeah. intensity within the set itself where we're lifting, you know, a lot of weight relative to what we can lift. But then afterwards, we just kind of like hang around for two, three minutes doing <laughs> uh, maybe mobilizations or checking emails. Checking emails, <laughs> more likely. Um, or, you know, chatting and then we go and then uh, repeat that set. Um, it's actually pretty pretty chill in the grand scheme of things. But that also means that we can put in a lot of training sessions throughout the week and we're not getting burnt out and we can be super consistent about it. And now that we've developed a base of lean muscle mass, now, like Lauren said, we're very metabolically expensive, whereas we don't have to crush ourselves with workouts every single day. Right. Um, now, with that said... If you're going to be adding some form of cardio aspect to your routine, we love high intensity intervals. Yeah. Um, that's sort of the way, like, that's kind of what we do in our, we have one 
cardio type class, which we call Metcon, metabolic conditioning. And basically that's what it is. It's high intensity interval training where you're working for a period of time and then resting for a period of time and going around in a circuit. Um, and we think that that's an excellent way to supplement strength training and just to get a lot of benefit. Like you get a lot of heart, heart health benefits Mm -hmm. from that. Um, as opposed to just having your heart rate be steady state the whole time. Um, and you do also get just a better overall, workout than if you were just going to ride the bike for an hour or going on the treadmill for an hour. Um, so we definitely think that there are benefits and we still use it. We just don't use it as the main form of exercise for anyone. And even our people who our members who are classes only, we still recommend that if they're going to set up their week as a three day a week, I'm oh, sorry, three, oh no, I was right. Yeah. Three day a week program. They're going to do two strength training workouts and one high-intensity interval training workout. Uh, If they're going to do four days a week, they might do two to three strength training workouts and one high-intensity interval training workout. So Mm -hmm. it really is, um, it's the sort of last part of everything. Yeah. Or I would say that it's the second part. I would say strength training is number one, high-intensity interval training is number two, and then steady-state cardio is number three because that still has a lot of benefit as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, steady-state has a tremendous amount of benefit. And like... At certain stages in someone's athletic uh, season, um, we might even prioritize steady state training as their number one. So there's mm-hmm. no like one thing is always better than the other kind of thing. Um, although strength training probably is. <laughs> we'll take that gig. But um, yeah, it's just anytime anyone overblows a situation and completely negates all other aspects of training is when you need to start to get a little bit apprehensive about who's providing that information and what they're probably selling. Right. Yeah. Um, so for, for Justin, he said, is it worth adding that into my weekly routine? And I would say yes, as long as it's not replacing any of the, your like strength training or your really kind of important compound movement Mm -hmm. workouts. Um, but if you're doing, if you're looking to add a day and you're already feeling good in your routine, you might have, maybe you're doing two or three days a week of strength training, then definitely add that as, as a fourth day. I think that would be a great idea. Yeah. And Um, it's not going to be like life changing or incredible. It'll just add just a little bit of kind of like caloric burn. Yeah. Um, and it's also good just to up your conditioning a little bit as well. Right. Um, yeah, don't, don't start ditching strength training sessions in favor of pure hit. even right. though it feels harder, it's not going to create a sustainable approach for you. Yeah. yeah. And doing it too much can really actually yeah. be too much stress on your body. And that's sort of what I think I was dealing with, um, in my earlier years of teaching all those spin classes and then on my own doing my own hit workouts. And I think that I actually was, my body was so overly stressed that yeah. I actually was holding on to fat, which is something that happens when you're, there's stress in your life, whether it's physical or emotional stress. Mm-hmm. Um, your body likes to preserve fat because fat is something that keeps you safe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think, I mean, I think you're definitely not alone in that, right? It's like oh, yeah. people start doing some hit and they might actually gain a little bit of progress initially. Mm-hmm. And then they start to do more of it. Right. And then they do more and then do more. And then the scale starts to plateau and then they get stressed and then they do even more. And it just becomes this really like they start doing all these spin classes, all these rowing classes, and they just burn themselves into the ground. And they're still not getting the results that they want because they're just putting all their effort into one place and getting too stressed about it. Yeah. I mean, my best friend, one of my very best friends, Mm, um, just joined Achieve about six or seven months ago. And she was like 
like I was in the past, like addicted to that feeling of being totally burnt out, like sweating in a puddle on the floor after every workout. And forever I was telling her like, you know, you should really try strength training. And and anytime (laughs) she did, she'd be like, it's so slow. Like, this is so slow. I feel like I'm not doing anything. And so finally she joined Achieve and I was like, just trust me. Like, just trust us for a little while. Just see how things go. And about a month ago, she came up to me and she was already very fit and very in shape. And she, you know, like she already, I, in our opinion and everyone else's opinion, like looked amazing. But she came up to me and she was like, so... I've lost five pounds since joining Achieve <laughs> and like, I feel like I'm doing so much less. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, and people have been commenting on like my arms and there's just saying I look so lean and so fit. She's like, I'm, she's like, I think I believe you now. <laughs> um, this is your childhood friend. Right. <laughs> and oh, I mean, she's now she's doing uh, five pull-ups in a row, actually six, six pull-ups, pull-ups in a row. Yeah. Um, have, after having never done a pull-up in her life before, like yeah. stronger, leaner, uh, fitter, quote unquote, um, yeah. and yeah, she's just happy. And she's just, she was just still really taken aback and really surprised that a slower, more re- almost relaxed workout could do that, could yeah. could have those results. And it's because, but for her, she's extremely consistent. Mm-hmm. So she is always going to be three days a week at least, or four if she has it in the gym, getting her strength training workout in. So she's doing what we asked her to do and mm-hmm. it's, and it's working. So, um, and she even said she like took a class. Um, she, she did a class pass class. She was like, I didn't, I wasn't cheating on you. I just still had some. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I just didn't. I realized that it's, there's no, like, there's no method. It's just kind of like do this random stuff and get your heart rate up. And yeah. she felt very much like, Oh, now I understand when there's something that's programmed for a reason and it keeps progressing and you keep feeling that progress, then you actually really feel so much more successful. And obviously her body is responding to that. So that's been a cool, um, for me, that's been a really cool moment because (laughs) I, I was, she's always been so involved in fitness, but always doing more of the spinning and the, the classes that are high intensity. And I've been always like, just Try it. Just try to strength train. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we we could easily have people do burpees for forty five minutes and they'd be exhausted. Yeah. But again, would they be able to come in the next day and just repeat that same effort? You know, maybe for a little bit, but it just becomes way too taxing. And yeah. I'll bring up that quote from Bruce Lee again that I quoted a few episodes ago. It's it's something along the lines of that consistency beats intensity every single time. And so we should we should actually create our own workout program. It's like. High consistency training. <laughs> HCT. HCT. Watch, yeah, watch out, folks. HCT is coming. <laughs> it's going to take over the world. <laughs> um, all right, so I think that's about all the time we have for today. Yeah. You want to wrap things up, Lauren? I think that, oh, I don't, have my, um, I don't have my notes, so I have to just try to wing this. Yeah, all right, do it. Okay, I think that's everything we have for you today. So we hope that we answered all of your burning questions, and if you have any more, can you please message us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram, or you could reach out via email, Achieve Fitness, I mean, podcast at Achieve Fitness Boston, um, or Facebook DM. And if you would like to leave us an iTunes review, we'll love you forever. And until next time, peace, love, and and muscles. muscles.